Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Another beautiful fall afternoon. We have a a full studio here on this Wednesday as usual. It's Bill, Dan, Jason Caldwell, and Drew at the control. JC, how you doing, man? I'm good. Um, Enjoying a beautiful day. I've been out. uh, Only got about 30 minutes or so today, but I've been out three days for baseball this week. Um, So I'm able to watch them a little bit, Um, but, but beautiful and Man, looking looking at Saturday, kind of wishing there was a football game no going kidding. on Saturday. Yeah, the the weather's going to be gorgeous. Although, let me tell you, Auburn needs Absolutely. this open date. <laughs> yeah, without question. And, and you know, learn a little bit more about that today. Um, Messiah Nasilikite uh, out for the rest of the year with the torn pectoral muscle. So, it's a big blow for Auburn's defensive line. Um, probably going to see more Keldrick fault Have to. because of this now. So, I my guess A little was, more Zeke Walker, too, I would yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Marcus was playing a little bit more outside later in the game, right? And I wondered if Marcus Harris moved outside to accommodate the Nasilakite injury. Yeah, you still have to have another one, um, right. whether it's end or tackle. They're, they're essentially the same guy. One of them's covered up by, by your edge guy. One of them's not. So. What about either Rogers or Jones playing more uh, in Marcus's uh, place and Marcus playing uh, in, in the Silicon? I just place. don't think you're going to do that against LSU. Yeah. I mean, having to chase Jalen Daniels around, that's not mm-hmm. going to do you much good. You're going to have to get some guys with speed on the field. So, uh, you know, I, I wondered if, if, you know, you might, you know, obviously Zykevis Walker is a guy. Will we see a guy like Wilkie Denard to see if they can – yeah, play one of the one of the freshman guys the in there. You know that might be a possibility. Um, so, um, heck, even if you're going to redshirt him, he hadn't played yet. Yeah, so, I yeah, mean, you, yeah. You maybe get maybe get a game or two. Yeah, see what happens. But yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so they're going to have some some issues there. Something I wrote about on Monday. Um, potential good news is that Demari Austin is is recovering really well from his shoulder issue. Um, we saw him on Sunday, and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to be back for I'm going to be back for LSU." Um, Hugh Freeze said today that's a possibility. So that would be good news from a running back standpoint. I've seen Jalen Simpson. He got kicked in the calf. Yeah, I didn't know exactly what the injury was. I could see he was hobbled a yeah, little they, bit they, late they, in the game. They wrapped it up. So he, yeah, he just got a, a kick to the calf and, and bruised it. And uh, so he's he's had it wrapped up, had a little bit of a boot just to kind of take some pressure off of it. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be good to go. You know, by we time didn't get see Javarius Johnson. Didn't know what his injury was till uh, Hugh Freeze said it, so today. You have a hamstring, and it actually happened on the throw down the sidelines against Texas A&M. One of those throws that Robbie made that was close to being complete down uh-huh. the sideline. Var pulled up a little bit right, right at right at the end of that. And another, it's been the, kind of the same story in the passing game the last two weeks quarterbacks have actually thrown the ball decent hadn't had any help from the wide receiver no, group the last couple of weeks now hey it's not all on the wide receivers no. the quarterbacks have had their share of issues too but i thought saturday you know he freeze corrected himself today he said there were six balls that hit guys in the hands he didn't say they were drops no but those are catchable balls well you look around and boy i mean i watched a lot of football um on saturday a lot of sec football and you saw an awful lot of 
catches being made that you went, wow, you know, if, if Auburn had been able to make a couple of those, they'd made two, three, of those, just, two or three of those. You make two of those the last two weeks. Two of those the last two weeks. Just think about Shane Hooks makes a play in the end zone mm-hmm. against Texas A&M, and Cannon Brown's able to hold on to that one over the middle against A&M. Then that, that may be two touchdown drives. And then Saturday, the third and 16 throw to uh, – I just went this went blank. Um down the sidelines that got knocked out. Was it Malcolm? Yes. Malcolm, yes it was. The third to sixteen back yes. shoulder throw. Oh, that was beautiful. Was as good as you can throw yeah. a ball. And then it wasn't it wouldn't count as a as a ball even on the hands, but the back shoulder to Nick Mardner and he didn't turn around there late no. was a, I thought a really another really good ball. Um so it, hey, it is a combination of things. Well Jarquez had a lot of room in front of him. Yes. On the little swing pass. Yes, correct. So there were a couple of those plays where you look at it and go that that's the difference, and and he freeze said it today. We said it before the season started. This team is good enough to compete, but they're not good enough to win games without taking advantage of those opportunities. No, you, the, and, I, and I've I've seen, and I've heard some some really harsh criticism of Peyton's game against Georgia, which I mean I I was. You know, I, I came out of the A and M game deeply concerned about the quarterback position after the the two games we'd seen Peyton play against Power Five opponents. But between the sixty one yard run early, which I thought, you know, we were saying last week, he needs the analogy I used, Jason, was he's like a basketball player who needs to see some shots go in. You're correct, right? And that sixty one yard run early was maybe it wasn't. I mean, maybe hitting a deep a deep pass would have would have helped statistically a little bit more but mm-hmm. but the, the you know get, getting a big play like that early against the Georgia defense you know got got the crowd even more into it and I, I thought helped sort of push what had happened earlier in the season you know it was it was more in the rear view uh, th- than maybe it had been when the game started and and if the offense starts with with some struggles I know there was the three and out early but if the offense starts and really struggles uh, th- then then you know, I, I feel like things might have gotten, uh, you know, th- th- things might have gotten tense there in uh, in Jordan Hare. But instead, you know, from really that second drive where, where he has that run, I, I felt like he was passing the eye test, and you know, he wasn't he wasn't panicked the way he'd seemed to be at A and M, and he put his team in a better position to win than he than he did against Texas A&M. Yeah, you know, and, and they were able to sub- sustain some drives because they didn't have those critical penalties that they've been having. Right. Didn't really have the negative plays um, until you had the, the third and fourth short situations, a, a bad snap that, that that killed one of those drives. You have another third and third and short coming on your own, off your own 40-yard line that you you, you you make a play there and, and you might have a chance to sustain the drive. Those were – were the biggest issues. I I thought there were some some positives from that. I mean, hey, for two straight weeks against maybe two the two best defensive lines they're going to face this year. Auburn has run the football with it. Yes, they have. I mean, you know, and, and somebody I saw somebody say, well, they only the the running backs only had ninety seven yards. Well, hey, that that hundred yards against Georgia's defensive line for Auburn is a miracle. The last the last five years that we've seen when you when you combine that, that two hundred nineteen yards rushing held Georgia to one hundred and seven. That that's a very very strong performance in my opinion. Um, but again, this team has to take advantage of every one of its opportunities. And again, had the ball at the twelve yard line, couldn't convert on a fourth down. Had had a back shoulder throw. Had some of those things where your sustained drives, you're going to get more points out of it, and and you don't make those plays. 
you've you got to make those plays to beat a team like Georgia. And for this team, you're going to have to make those plays to win pretty much any game down the stretch because they're all going to be like that. If you play well, you're going to have a chance in the fourth quarter. I was asked uh, this morning, uh, Wimp Sanderson asked me, what is, what is the or what, of, uh, what is one of the most positive things, maybe pleasant surprises? And I said the defense, but the rush defense especially because – Remember, coming into the year, Hugh Freeze was saying, well, we ran it pretty good in the scrimmage. I don't know if that means we're really good at running the ball or we're really not so good at stopping the run. Correct. That turns out Auburn, Auburn looks like they're both. That's a defense that had Austin Keys in the, in the offseason as, as well, which, which they you know they lost him, was it early in the UMass game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't played since week one. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see that you've seen – kind of Larry Nixon develop into the kind of the, the true kind of middle linebacker mm-hmm. of this group. Eugene Asante's doing what he's done. And again – I called him Asante Samuel yeah, at, and, at the end of the show yesterday. Yeah, and, but, and, he's, but he's Eugene Asante, yes. and he is uh, – and, and we have an interview with him coming up. Yeah, we do, an hour too. In, in the show. But, yeah, he's, he's, been, he's been a big part he, of He's right. come on. Cam Riley has, has played has, – continues to play better. He's getting better. And, and that mix – and I, I saw him Sunday, and I went one half second – Oh. Is the difference in an interception? He just couldn't quite get there. Fell on the ball. Jalen McLeod crushed yes. Carson Beck as he was trying to get that pass. If there's one out. play in that game, and maybe especially in the second half, and I know people might point to the Bowers touchdown or whatever. If there's one play that that would have changed that game, that almost happened. Oh, Auburn's up 17-10, about to get the ball in plus territory. Yeah, it's, and, it's the yeah. ball that Cam Riley. Well, and that's the thing, and, and you still get the ball back. And that's where the Malcolm Johnson, where that play, because you were up 17-10, third and 16, back shoulder, that would have given you ball to about 25-yard line, and it gets punched out. So they're, they were it kind of tied together at the same point. Mm-hmm. Place was about to explode. Yes, and you had it. But and I talked to Cam. I'm like, it, it, I said, if you if you a half second earlier turn and can see the ball, then it's an interception. Talked to Andy uh, yesterday. That's Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. Uh, talked to him yesterday, and he singled out. Jalen and Marcus, Marcus as, Harris, as two guys where you know it felt like they were everywhere on Saturday. J- Jalen Simpson's been that way every game. I mean, he's he's been the best player on this team, in my opinion. Marcus Harris had the best game of his career Saturday. Uh, I thought he was really good Saturday. Um, but you can see those guys moving really slowly on Sunday. Um, this is Bill's right. This is it's gonna be an important time and. You know, we, it, everything circles back now to offense and to quarterback. Mm-hmm. What does it look like following a bye week where you, this is the first time where you really have a chance to go back and go, okay, if you're going right, to change anything, you can do something now. Self scout it and, okay, can what can we do differently now? Because mm-hmm. you have a few days to do that. It would be really interesting to see how much this changes. Do you stay, hey, slow, we're going to slow it down, help out our defense, or do you say, we got to go and just go tempo and and do. I don't I don't know the answer and I don't know that there is a right answer because it all depends on executing the plays and they've had those opportunities. And I, I don't want to skip ahead to the end of the season because we, we still got seven games left in in the regular season here. But if I had to guess at the moment, Jason, I would think that Auburn goes into the off season unsettled at quarterback and unsettled at wide receiver based on like what they've seen so far this year and with the new portal rules, which we'll get to, uh, you know, it, Auburn's going to have to, you have to attack your priority positions early and often in that 
that transfer portal window that opens up as soon as the season ends. And right now, I would look at quarterback and receiver as priority positions for Auburn based on what they've gotten out of those uh, so far this year. Yeah, it, it kind of depends on a, a numbers game, too, where you start going, okay, if, if those guys are coming back, can, do you add another one to the mix? Wide receiver, um, you knew, you knew that, that a lot of these guys, three of these guys are one-year guys, mm-hmm. and so that was part of it. Okay, you're going to be able to replace them, and you're talking about adding talent. I mean, they've already added – some really really talented kids in this class and they haven't signed yet but you're still in the hunt for you know cam coleman at central phoenix city you're still in the hunt for a guy like nike even though it looks like he's going to go to miami but you're still going to need some experienced players and right the same thing at, i mean there there's this this is this this, this year's version of the offensive line talk from a year ago well, well, is, and, is well a little smile from drew yeah he said Nikar's going to miami yeah this is the same thing though i mean this is this is the part of the issue one year doesn't fix it because now you look at it and go, okay, now what do you need the next year? And you go, mm-hmm. okay, you got Jalen Simpson, Zion Puckett. You're going to need an experienced safety or at least a, a mature safety to come in and help out that group. Maybe a corner because you're going to be really young because, I mean, nearby Pritchard and DJ James are going to be gone. Maybe Keontae Scott comes back now because of this injury. Um, but does Donovan Kaufman come back? Um, but, yeah, I mean, wide receiver group. Offensive line. I mean, you look and you know Avery Jones is a senior. Gunnar Britton's a senior. Um, Dylan Wade. Who knows what happens with him if he decides to to to, to try to go pro and, and play guard, which is I think is what his future position will be. You're going to need a couple of more transfer offensive linemen. So maybe not 25, but it may be 18. Yeah, well, I'd say 15 to 20 for sure. Uh, I think you're going to have to have some of those spots, and it's just going to be less and less every year if you can get your recruiting right we were talking earlier in the week you know one of the reasons i'm not terribly panicked about the future of of auburn and you know with with even though auburn has lost a couple of games now and some we had a texture point out earlier in the week it's been a long time since auburn beat a you know what, what was considered at the you know a, a good team a consensus top 10 team probably you're, you're looking back on what Ole miss two years ago were they in the top 10 when, when auburn beat them like I, I forget exactly if they were in 21 uh when, when auburn won that game but it's been it's been a while so w- one of the reasons I'm, i mean hugh freeze absorbed early losses at old miss and was able to still produce in the portal or in, on, on the recruiting trail you know he's got a track record but also and you just mentioned miami uh, when we're talking about nicar there are a couple of programs that were in dire straits in year one with a coach last year where you thought you know is is this is this going to be a? Did they make a, the wrong yeah. decision? Is this is this going to be a more difficult rebuild than than we originally thought? And you look at year two for Cristobal at Miami, where I think they might be, they might be the best team. In the, I mean, we're going to find out. They'll play they'll play Florida State. We'll, you know, we'll, but they they are a you know a, a contender in the ACC in year two, and Oklahoma, which is about as solid as a Big Twelve contender as there as there is on the board right now. Yeah, and we'll find out a lot this we'll week. Fi- we'll find out Saturday about Oklahoma, but Oklahoma and Miami look to have made real strides in year two under their respective coaches, which makes me wonder what's possible for Auburn when you have two recruiting classes and two portal windows open and Hugh Freeze can make more of an imprint on his roster uh, next year. Yeah, I I thought that very thing Saturday. I I left, (laughs) and I wrote about it Sunday morning, and it, it, it brought me to a Dion quote. Going, if you're going to get him, you better get him now. He didn't say that, but I did. I left Saturday going, 
I don't remember a time where I felt better about Auburn football than I did Saturday afternoon, even in a loss. Because for much of the last decade, every time Auburn and Georgia have lined up, it's been a beatdown at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. That was not the case Saturday. Auburn won in 2017, held their own in 2019, basically because Auburn went into a two-minute offense there. But, I mean, that was just to get back in the game. But, I mean, you, you look at the the way that game transpired, and, yeah, there's a long way to go. There's a lot of, pl- a lot of positions that need to be fixed and a lot, of, a lot of playmakers that need to be added to this roster. But what they were able to put on the field Saturday – and what they were able to do against Georgia, uh, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed for me to, to go, yeah, I, I, didn't, I don't see it. No, I, I absolutely see it. It's just a matter of can you get it done quick enough. We'll get to our first break of the afternoon. Love for you to join in. And how can you do so? You can give us a call, 334-321-1390. And also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the Drive Text Box. Presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. We'll get to that first break. Back, Bill, Dan, and Jason here on the Wednesday Drive. Whether you're a... Live with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Jason Caldwell from... Auburn Undercover, the 24-7, is it 247? Should I say 247? I, when I see I, I, the numbers 247, I just naturally go 24-7. I, I do 24-7 because then I think 24-7. Yeah. Like, like 24 hours, seven days a yeah. week. So, But, yeah, I don't, I don't honestly know which. Okay. But I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's probably what I just it. didn't. I didn't want to do it wrong and have, you know, uh, but but whatever. You know where to find Jason. But we'll we'll let him remind you here in a little bit. But let's get officially, to the phone. Officially syrup sopping day. Okay, well, it's it's always been syrup sopping. I mean, for years and years and years, and it's great, great. I mean, I'm uh, thinking about going. We just ran a commercial for it. We just ran a promo uh, for uh, for for syrup sopping day. I've never been before. I've heard great things, Uh, and and so yeah, I know. Like I said, we're we're gonna kind of do some, especially early Saturday. Even though there's, I mean, Oklahoma, Texas is 11 a.m. Yeah, that's that's what you want to do. Get out, get out there, get out early, and then at least get back by maybe the second half of that Uh game, and then kind of hang out. But maybe go out there early Saturday morning and to kind of check it out. Seven seven to four to uh, seven to four. Yes, I I don't. I'm hoping I don't. I'm hoping I'm not there at seven, but I'd like to be there maybe a little later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a little syrup in your coffee. A little syrup in your coffee at seven a.m. It's it's a it's a syrup on a biscuit is what that is. You're right about that. Oh man! All right, let's let's get to the phone and and John is up first. Hey, John. Hey, good afternoon. I had a uh, question for the uh, rules aficionados that y'all are. Uh, I know two or three years ago that uh, you were only allowed in the SEC to sign twenty five scholarship players a year. Is that still the case? And if you have, if you have like five transfers that are uh, juniors, leave early uh, and. Did we get those scholarships back, and does that increase your – that five left transferred out? Would we be able to sign 30 players? John, I feel like I feel like this is a setup, and, and you, you've set us up because uh, the, the timing couldn't be better. Yeah, good timing for that question. Uh, today, the, the D1 Council announced 
the, so the last couple of years, because of COVID, the last couple of years, they basically waived the 25 rule. They said, okay, but everything's changed because of COVID. You can sign guys up to the 85 limit. Well, today they made it permanent. So from now on, you can sign as many guys as you have scholarship up to that 85 limit. Right. So if you lose 12 guys and you had 24 seniors, then technically you can sign 38 players in that next 36. class or, or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Math 36. Was, yeah. yeah. 36. But yeah, you can sign, you can sign that number up to 85 mm-hmm. combination of transfers. I and, think that's great because of the transfer portal. Now, I mean, the, uh, the chances are that any team could lose a lot more players. And if you have that 25 limit, you're really strapped. Yeah. That's uh, that, that'll be a beneficial for us for sure. And uh, I had a, just throwing this in there, had a, uh, somebody on the Montgomery show earlier uh, a couple of days ago saying that he didn't think that Hugh Freeze would be able to recruit at the same level he did uh, at Ole Miss because essentially everybody, you know, has NIL. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. We may not be signing number one classes under Hugh Freeze, but having met him, he's just a genuine, personable individual, and that's in his blood. And I think what the NIL will do for Auburn is to keep the kids that wanted to come to Auburn and were drawn away for for other reasons I think that'll help uh I think that'll help uh, Auburn keep those players that they might have lost in the past what do that was think? that was one of the things I was worried about before Hugh Freeze got the job was that you know Ole Miss was a decade ago when he when he when he took that job and uh recruiting has changed and the landscape has changed and it's 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 different I have been really pleasantly surprised with how ready for this era of college football Hugh Freeze appears to be, whether it's how he worked the portal this offseason or the strides he's made without a lot of on-field success oh, no, to I show mean, recruits. Look, look at Demarcus Riddick and, and Perry yeah. Thompson, what, what he did there. It was a fair thing to worry about at the time, but I think I, I what guess. you've seen from Hugh Freeze in, in, the, in the nine months since he got this job, ten months since he got the job, uh, makes me think he's he's up for the up for the task. Yeah. No. I, well, I don't I don't know that we'll be competitive. Uh, you know, recruiting uh, number one players out of California and nationwide, but I do feel like we'll be able to get our share of players out of Alabama and Georgia, which is our, the lifeblood of our recruiting. I think we'll uh, shore that up pretty good. Yeah. No. I, that's that's been the key. Um. And it, and it's every year. I mean, we've been talking about this you know, a lot, but every year the state of Alabama gets deeper and deeper in terms of, of high school recruits. It's better now than it's ever been. Next year's another really good class. Already seeing guys in the twenty twenty six class. I mean like, you can you can sustain a program now by getting the majority of your players from the state of Alabama and Georgia. It it was hard to do that ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You can do it now, and and I think it's been a focal point for for Auburn. Hey, it's Alabama's doing it more than they by far than they've done in the oh, past few right. years. Um, and so yeah, I, I I don't have any any concerns about Hugh Freeze and recruiting and what this staff can do. I've seen it enough, and and hey, we talked we talked to this staff, and it's their first time here, and I think they've been blown away by the response. With all, everything going on, we know it, but I don't know that they they really knew it. They might have had an idea, but we knew it. And and that old saying that Auburn recruits itself absolutely holds up. But you got to put some effort into it, and they've put the effort into it. And days like Saturday are when Auburn recruits itself. 
And those are the days where you look back and go, okay, what had an impact on your recruiting? And, and there'll be a lot of guys that go, it was that day. Um, last year against Texas A&M had an impact on some of these guys. Um, those are the types of days that have an impact on recruiting when you put the effort into it. And we talked to Ryan Williams, you know, Saturday after the game, and, and we're kind of joking because we said, how different was this one? He goes, well, it was, it was a lot different because everybody talked to me. Like everybody here, he's like, well, I had time with Coach Hugh Freeze, had all these different kinds. This is my, my – I think he's the best football player in the country. And this is a guy that came last year for the Penn State game, and the only person that talked to him was me. He did not – no coaches – I mean, he, he didn't get any interaction. He was here, left at halftime. That, that's the difference, but it's effort. The, you put the effort in, you're genuine, you recruit guys at Auburn, you're going to get your fair share. Great stuff, John. Appreciate the phone call. 334-321-1390. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Come on in and join us here on the Wednesday Drive. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Wednesday afternoon, 27 minutes away from 5. Let's get right back to the phone, and Mitch is up next. Hey, Mitch. Hey, guys. Um, I think Dak brought this up either yesterday or the day before. And I know I guess I guess Jalen Simpson got, got hurt, but um, was there some reason why they didn't jam Bowers at the line the way he was just running crazy all through the secondary in the second half? Yeah, no, they had him bracketed pretty much the entire second half. I, I was told on the, the – the critical the critical play that a guy just made a mistake and 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 turned him loose and he wasn't supposed to right when he left the line and cut yes yeah, yeah he wasn't yeah. he wasn't supposed to let him loose there so it was just a just a mental mistake on the last one the other one is you're asking donovan kaufman to to play a guy head up who's six four two Forty five and can run and you're five eight one ninety i mean it's just a hard miss a hard I said matchup on, i said on monday's show and um you know, I, I, I'm not good at projecting what kind of NFL careers guys are going to have, but Brock Bowers seems to be considerably better than Kyle Pitts was at this stage. And Kyle Pitts was a top five pick in the NFL draft a couple years I, ago. Like, I think Brock Bowers is the best player in the country. He didn't play quarterback, but I, I yeah. So yeah, to get back to that, I mean, it was it was one of those situations where Georgia said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw the ball to our He's best our player. He's our best player. And we're going to get him the ball. And, 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 and having Jalen Simpson not be full yeah. speed at the end huge uh, was critical for mm-hmm. for them because he, he just couldn't get over to close the gap. And and uh, there's some Auburn fans that may not have realized Brock Bowers has done that. That's not the first time. But he, he's uh, he's made plays like that. Yeah. He's, he he is a fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, player. but they did bracket him for much of the second half, and then he was able. He made one of them. He, he was bracketed and made, and made a behind, behind the back almost catch, and did a couple things. <laughs> Left but, hand. How do you how do you reach back like that when you're? I mean, I can see sometimes with the one out in front that got called back. Yeah. But the one that was behind him, I mean, that ball that ball was going to be picked. All right. The anything else, Mitch. Well, I, yeah, I, I didn't realize that they that they didn't have, you know. Now, I guess if they had like a Ronnie Lott type uh, safety, you know, or, yeah, or that, a safety that's about 6'2", 225 could maybe not. Nice off to have had Keontae Scott. Yeah, Keontae had a little bit has a little bit more spot. That's the that's the whole problem with, and it's why that position has become 
so valuable where you look at Travis Kelsey and you look at guys in the NFL is because you, it's hard. You, you can't find a linebacker athletic enough. Linebackers to, aren't to, athletic enough to guard those guys. And most, aren't big most, enough. most DBs aren't big enough. And so, yes, you get a guy like that and it becomes a total mismatch. And, um, and I, it's why I, I thought about it. I was like, I've been saying it for, for a long time. I was like, if Anthony Mix was playing college football in this day and age, he would be a multimillionaire because he could play that role you know, because at Auburn, I could never figure him out where, oh, could he be a wide receiver? Is he really a tight end? But you didn't really have a role for that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy would, would be exceptional in this day and age. A guy like Tommy Trot would be too. And so, yeah, they've now figured out how to use those players. And, you know, Auburn's got Rivaldo Fairweather that's kind of can do some of those same things. Receiving, but, but, receiving first tight yes, ends. but Brock yeah. Bowers is just on a different level. Yeah. Anthony Mix yeah, Junior well, I mean, is Anthony Mix Junior is playing uh, college football uh, at the junior college level. He was I, a I quarterback believe. coming yeah, out of high yeah. school. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, last thing, and, and, and I'll let y'all go. But uh, uh, Sunday night's game with the Jets, uh, Carl Lawson and CJ Uzama are playing for the Jets. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. CJ had a CJ had a touchdown. CJ had a touchdown on Sunday night mm-hmm. during uh, in between yeah, in yeah. between shots of Taylor Swift. In the crowd, <laughs> uh, they they managed to show footage of uh, CJ scoring a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I assume Carl Lawson's not a starter because I don't remember seeing him in as a starter. But I'm a, I'm assuming in the pros they they rotate defensive linemen also. Yeah, uh, I, I like don't I don't know college. if I mean you know he's had he's had so many injuries through his career. I'm I'm hoping that he's still going. So, I saw him tweet about it too. But there there's a third Jets player too. Um, um, former Auburn safety turned linebacker, um, who I just went blank on. Let me think about it for just one second. Um, <laughs> Play for the Jets? Yes. I was on. about to say I, I, a ton of Derek Hall on Monday night oh, yes. for the uh, for, for the for the Seahawks uh, chasing that poor Daniel Jones around oh. in, that, in that in that nightmarish uh, performance by the uh, by the Jets. Twelve sacks I think the Seahawks had in that game, and Derek had another play where he had he had Daniel Jones just dead to rights, and, and Jones somehow got away, but it was. Uh, yeah, see, seeing uh, seeing him early and often in his uh, NFL career, and I believe I mean both the the Packers have Anders and uh, Colby, uh, yeah. both uh, b- both on the field quite. Jamie a bit. and Sherwood is, Sherwood, is the yeah. other Jet. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah playing linebacker for them. Okay, well, one more thing that I just thought of because I saw it the other uh, I guess last week when USC played Colorado. No, anyway, uh, uh, what's the name? Lamelo Height. Is playing for USC now that transferred from Auburn. Is that correct? That is correct. He actually went two years ago and was 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 playing really well early last season. Got hurt and missed the rest of the year. I, I don't know. Probably top five guys that they've lost that would have been the most important guys for this team would have been had Romello Height stayed and and yeah, and given you some speed off the no edge. Kidding. Yeah, because he yeah he he had a hell of a game. I I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but I but I but I heard that name and. And I think they even said he transferred from Auburn or something. Anyway, anyway, but yeah, yeah. He sometimes you hate great to stuff. Hey, Mitch, really, really appreciate it, Mitch. Great, great Thanks, stuff guys. as always. We'll talk to you soon. Back to the phone, and Dak is next. Hey, Dak. Hey, Dak. Hey, guys. Good to talk to you today. Uh, just to follow up Mitch's question, you know, I when I commented the other day about I knew Auburn bracketed uh, Bowers, but there's a difference between bracketing and press coverage with a guy denying him off the line of scrimmage, bracketing, you know, the, that, that outside linebacker's playing slightly inside about five, six yards off. So they were trying to pick up the quick game 
by that when Bowers ran quick stuff and then you had the safety over the top. What I would have liked to have seen was somebody in his face denying him a free release. And I think I yeah. think that would have been a huge difference. Well, the question is who who, who can do that? Well, you got to put you got to put a linebacker on it in his face. But I realize he's going to have athletes. He's, a, oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's the biggest. He's the biggest matchup problem in the conference, well, probably at the line of scrimmage, that, right? Because everyone. But well, but all you're asking is to upset him for about three to four seconds. Don't worry about denying him the ball. You're denying him the a free pass to a 15, 16, 18 yard catch. Well, the, That's the, what you're trying to well, do. Well, the other part of that too, though, is is when you're doing that. Then you you're give up somebody else. You're, comprom- you're compromising yeah. yourself in the line of scrimmage. Too. I, I really thought and, Georgia and, having McConkey back helped well, them it, a yeah, ton. It, it did make a, yeah make a big difference. Look, had another guy outside. Look, look, guys, I don't understand why they don't just say in the huddle. Look, pass. I'm either throwing to 19 or I'm throwing to McConkey because yep. they're open every time. That's they are. They're open every single time. Basically, what they did. Um, and when a defense yeah. and when a defense adjusts, I mean, Ra Ra Thomas has been a number one receiver in the SEC before and made a couple of catches on Saturday. Like when a defense right. adjusts to focus on Lad McConkey and Brock Bowers, like that's where you know the the hope was. I think for folks who thought who wanted Georgia to take a step back after two straight national championships. The hope was that maybe at quarterback, losing Stetson Bennett, you know, they, they would downgrade. Carson Beck looked sharp enough on Saturday where if that's if that's supposed to be the weakness of the Georgia team is, is the quarterback. Yeah, we'll, we'll see well, when, we will, when they, we'll when they yeah, play right. a team that has a real pass you're rush. Right. They'll, have to do well, more, they'll have to run the ball well, better and they'll have to protect him better. That's right. Who well, is that? the other thing, too. Well, in the postseason. You take, you, you take Bowers off that team. We beat that team by twenty-one points. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different. Auburn beats them. It's a different. It's a different. It's a different team. But I'll give you just an idea. This guy that that's a tight end, and so he has in thirty-five games, he has twenty-two hundred receiving yards and twenty-three touchdowns. Um, Auburn has one player. Terry Beasley is the only guy that has more receiving yards in Auburn football history than him as a tight end <laughs> and uh yeah. and has and terry beasley's the only guy that has more touchdowns 29 he would be second all time in, 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 in auburn three, receiving in, history. in, in well, two and a half years yeah well guys i watched him run his routes and i'm gonna tell you the difference between him and pitts from florida is pitts was he ran routes like a tight end okay and he was good but but bowers He's a tight end, but runs routes like a wide receiver, and he's smart. Yeah, and, and that's the difference. He's so athletic too that I mean, you know, they didn't do that's it right. Saturday. They will hand him the ball. He and, got he did you know, one yeah, time I mean, Saturday, like, but I mean, like, short. like yeah. he, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, then they, yeah, they did give him two short yardage, but they'll run the reverses right. with him. Do all these things. He, he's just an athletic freak. I mean, that's just just what he is. I mean, he's a guy that you just don't see very often. That thank goodness playing in that position. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's just not many of those guys, and and. Um, Everybody wants that guy. You go, hey, hey, I'd love to have that guy. Well, everybody else would too, and uh, it, it makes it really difficult. And you're right, when it's crunch time, Georgia knows where they're going, and they have a guy that they know is going to make a play for them. And that's a pretty good luxury to have because there's not many other teams right now in this league that have anywhere close to that guy. Um, some teams maybe around the country do, but not in not well, in the see, southeastern we've conference. seen athletes like this in college football but aren't they usually not it's like they're not skill position players at his they're size. normally they're, they're normally playing a pass rush yeah the defensive end um, or, the, or they've added 100 pounds they're playing tackle right like they're not but they're not doing they're not yeah, doing this I mean, like, like I, size, I, so. I mean I, I think about him as I mean 
and it, I mean, there's there's a small group of players that I think about similar size wise, athleticism where you go those guys because like Derek Thomas is one of those guys. When I think about how athletic and quick he was for his size, but how flexible Brock Bowers can bend, he can turn, mm-hmm. he can do those things. You got to be more than just six four two thirty five and be able to run. You got to be able to run and make guys miss and be physical and do all like he does all those things. And yeah, I mean it's he was the difference in that game Saturday. At that end, you're right, and the lack of Auburn being able to get a pass rush for four or five guys. When you have to send six or seven, you're dead in the water every play. You have to pick your, you pick your poison, and it worked for much of the day for Auburn right. on Saturday. But sooner or later, you're going to have an issue where you got you got to get some help somewhere along the line. It just didn't happen. Jason, uh, you got to head out. No, I got one more. Okay, mm-hmm. great. We'll go ahead and get to our final break. Jason, with us one more segment. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety as we continue with the Wednesday drive. Inspired by the bold bison, Southern Union students be 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive, final segment of hour number one, our final segment with Jason Caldwell, and we've got a full bank of calls, and let's go ahead and get to them. And Terry is up first. Hey, Terry. Hey, Bill, Dan, Jason. How you doing this afternoon? Um, I, I can't stand it. It really bugs me when people call up and say, well, if they didn't have that player, Brock, look, they do have him. That's my point. He, he's a great player, and, and teams like that make plays. And, and players like that make plays. That, that really gets under my skin. And like, the backup, I, Terry and I would add to that, that the backup mm-hmm. for uh, for Brock Bowers, the fellow they tossed to. Oscar Delp. Uh, De- I mean, yeah, he's a good player, too. He's pretty good, too. It's not like they wouldn't be with, you know. It's not like They've had pretty tight good end. tight ends the but, last few years. But Brock Bowers, uh, uh, no, I, I think he, he, was, he, was, he was as good a skill position player as I've seen. I mean, maybe you got to go back to those Alabama he's receivers. The best college tight end I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's. Uh, and what is his size, Bill? It's six four, two forty, two thirty five, yeah. something like that. I wonder because uh, I thought Kyle Pitts was pretty special, and I seen him, and I'm like, oh boy, that's another story. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, Jason, I don't believe Auburn lost that game. I, I believe. Well, excuse me, I said that backwards. I believe Georgia won it, but I believe Auburn lost it more than that. I think they had George on the ropes. But what we have is a bunch of seniors who have been through a rough time. His coach got fired their freshman year and got hired of uh, an individual who – I won't comment on that. But um, now they have a coach who got them headed in the right direction. And the freshmen, quite honestly, are still a little intimidated by the uniform. I didn't see intimidation Saturday. You know, I, I thought in the fourth quarter the talent won out. You know what I mean? Like if in the fourth quarter, like, I mean, Auburn was hanging on for dear life. It was a – aside from the three and out – like the first quarter could not have gone better for Auburn. They were keeping Georgia's offense on the ropes with stops and the occasional yeah. turnover. I, I thought it was more they they had a few plays they could have made, and I, I think yeah. it's the last this, this this same story the last two weeks. They've had a couple of plays they could have made they didn't play they didn't make. That's the difference in those games. Appreciate it, guys. You have a good day. Appreciate it. Call Terry. We go from Terry to Jerry. Hey Jerry. Hey guys. Um, I missed a portion of the uh, show today, and I heard Jason Cowell talking about a particular recruit that came that nobody talked to except him. Yeah. 
in uh, last year. That was that, that was not this year. That was last year. Yeah. Oh, uh, I just wondered who it was. Yeah, it was Ryan Williams. Um, he's committed to Alabama now. The twenty twenty five. He was Alabama's Mister Football in in as a sophomore last year. Yeah, son, son, of, son, son of, of former yeah. Auburn Auburn football D, player, D, D, Ryan, Ryan Williams. Williams. Yes, and uh, came last year and. I think maybe one minute somebody kind of stopped by a table and said, hey, and that was pretty much it. Has a chance at being the number one overall player? If he's not the number one player in 2025, I just don't understand it. I think he's the best player in the country. Um, Has Auburn ever signed the number one overall player in the country? Yeah, Byron Cowart was one. Well, in 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 a one in one situation, yeah, in true. one he was okay. the number one over. Would not <coughs> have guessed. Would player. not have guessed Byron Cowart if you'd said he was yes on the. That. I think on ESPN he was. Mm, interesting. I think. Okay. Um, but um, now you look. I mean, like you, know, you start talking about players. I mean, you know, KJ Bolden will have a chance to be there, even though probably won't overtake Dylan Rayola, who's committed to Georgia quarterback. But his teammate KJ Bolden, five star. Mid to Florida State was back on campus this weekend. I think Auburn is right there. Um, I mean, he is—he's a guy that was on campus for Big Cat Weekend, was celebrating when Perry Thompson flipped from mm-hmm. Alabama to Auburn. He's been here a bunch. Him and Walker White and Perry Thompson, all those guys, they've been in continuous contact with each other. And this is a guy that would give you Jalen Simpson vibes at safety, where he can come down the hill and make plays do those things but you probably also throw him in on offense a little bit too and let him do a little bit of travis hunter type stuff um he was he was back this weekend really liked it jeremiah beeman is committed to alabama who's a big time defensive lineman from parker it was a huge recruiting weekend basketball had guys all over i mean uh and there were a ton i saw i saw gabe and he was talking about the baseball recruits. I yep. saw Jeff Graba talking about Correct. all the gymnastics recruits. It, it was it was a a day that that all the programs had people mm-hmm. on campus. But yeah, from a football standpoint, I mean, there's opportunities to get some really talented players. And somebody asked us last night on our live show, could you get to a top five class? If everything, it's just almost like this season. If everything fell perfectly, then I you know I could see this team winning eight or nine games. But it would have had to fall perfectly. It hasn't fallen perfectly. They've been competitive. I think the same thing in recruiting. If everything falls perfectly and you flip K.J. Bolden and you, you were to flip Cam Coleman and do those things, you could probably get to a top five class. I still see it probably between eight and ten, which is pretty darn good considering a lot of these guys had already made decisions before mm-hmm. you even started recruiting them. The biggest obstacle to eight and four. We got, we got somebody else hanging on? Yeah, we got Spectre hanging oh, on. Let, let, we'll get to Spectre. Hey, Spectre. I want Jason to stay over for like five minutes. Come on, you good? What do you got? Hey, what? Jason's got to go, so he said, go ahead. What you got? Okay, listen, uh, I want to talk about the offensive line. Uh, most of our starters are seniors, is that correct? Well, you have uh, Dylan that has another year back at left tackle. And then you have Avery's a senior. Avery's a senior. Gunner Britton's, Gunner a, Britton's senior. a senior. Cam Stutz is a senior. Cam Stutz is a senior. Yes. And so you, who was that first guy you mentioned? Avery Jones, uh, the uh, center. Dylan, Dylan Wade, though oh. left, left tackle has another year. Yeah, right. Yeah, he has another year back. You know, so you've got you'll have Connor Lou will step in at center, in my opinion, and be a really really good player. Um, and too, tall has, too tall has too, eligibility. Too, too tall has a couple of years left. Could he Who, move? Could he move right to left? Tackle? Could he move to left? He tackle? could. He could probably move to left after he gets more experience under his belt. But you'll still have uh, Jeremiah Wright, 
What about um, uh, Muskie? You'll have yeah, <coughs> Jaden Muskrad, who came from Tulsa. He's a guy mm-hmm. they really like. You'll have him. You brought in your transfer from Northwestern. Senda. Yeah. They've got some pieces there, but I still think you'll probably go out and try to try to bring in a couple of transfers to kind of fill in some of the gaps. Right. Okay. Great. Because uh, I I notice we have a a bucket load of freshmen. I don't know how they're working into this this scheme here. Yeah, I, I think uh, they really like Tyler Johnson, who's the the offensive tackle that huge. came. He is a big he's <laughs> a big kid. Um, mm-hmm. They like him, so this you know between this year, just kind of the practice and getting used to it, going through the spring, all those things. Tyler Johnson will be a guy too to watch it there. But uh, you know, like I said, I mentioned Connor Lou. I think he's a guy that's really talented, and obviously, when I mean, you look at it, um, you know, kind of what they've done in some of those other spots. Connor Lou's a guy that I, I think they feel like is going to be an All SEC type center for them down the road. Okay, okay, I'll let you guys go. Appreciate it, Specter. We are out of time here for hour number one. Jason, I mean, even though it's an open date, there's a lot. We didn't even get into baseball, basketball, which yep. are both practicing right now. Yeah, practicing going on. Uh, yeah, looking forward to to kind of seeing the development of them. You know, watched a little bit of basketball last week, obviously some baseball this week. So have a lot of that uh, that we're still riding on. Um, by week kind of catch up a little bit of, of recap maybe the first part of the season in football as well so find all that and right now it's if you haven't ever signed up before uh, two months for a dollar wow so if Whoa. you want if you want to kind of get your first taste and see which is like it's a great time right, right, now. right now you get the next two months so basically cover the, the rest of this regular season for one dollar so check it out auburnundercover.com follow me on twitter at it jason appreciate it jason we're back with our number two here on the drive from auburn the sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in, hour number two of the Wednesday Drive. Bill and Dan, our thanks to Jason Caldwell from Auburn Undercover, part of the uh, 247 Network, joining us for the first hour. I hope you had a chance to hear Jason. Yeah, we always wish we had more time, and I know Spectre oh, was like, best. stick around for five more minutes because I got more. But <laughs> uh, but great stuff from Jason. Check out the podcast if you missed any of any of that or any of our shows. Yeah, episodes of the uh, the podcast are available however you listen to podcasts. Go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to ESPNAU.com and use the Podcast Center. That's all presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And hour number two of The Drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika. On the web at orthoclinic.com, we're about to get to the uh, phone lines. That number, 334-321-1390. We're going to need a new board, Drew. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the Drive text box, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Let's get to the phones, and uh, Jeremy gets us started. Hey, Jeremy. Yeah, hey, guys. Um, I, get, I get a little ticklesome down at the, oh, we should just do this, or oh, we should just do that. And talking about, like, spending three or four seconds just jamming Brock Bowers at the line of scrimmage. Um, like, if you had those kinds of guys, you wouldn't be on your third coach in four years. Um, as, as if 
Well, you shouldn't be. Let's put it that way. You you definitely shouldn't be yeah. if you had those guys. Yeah. Um, we talked a little. Some people were talking the other day about like the difference between being under center from some of these short yardage situations, being in the shotgun. It got me curious. I went and looked up. You can't find like college numbers on this kind of thing, but you can find them in the NFL. Um, the NFL has gotten to where they run like. Two-thirds is basically right around 66% of their plays out of the shotgun now. But out of the one-third where they are under center, almost 70% of those are running plays. And it's because they know it it gives you more diversity at the line of scrimmage to be able to run right and left, um, gives your running back more time to, to get some some acceleration and, and some vision to be able to see a hole um, and even in the play action game. And I, I would I would love for y'all at some point along the way, if you ever get a chance, press conference sometime, mm-hmm. talk like what what is the deal with these college coaches who seem to just throw out like I, I, I look at it like you've thrown out a hundred years of football when you just exclusively want to run out of the shotgun even in these short yardage situations. Like it's good enough for the NFL. Uh, that that is a, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, the NFL. Remember how the NFL sort of looked down their nose though at the shotgun a few years ago, except for certain situations. But but you're right. Um, I mean, I know one of the one of the thoughts that goes into it is the quarterback has more time to uh, to be able to look over things. But but if you're uh, as you're saying, if you're going to run the ball. <laughs> If you're going to run the ball, it, 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 it does work as an advantage. If it's third and one on the 12, and you're going to go for it on fourth down anyway, why not be under center and pound the ball at them two plays in a row? Now, look, we're, we're, we're outmatched against Georgia, as well as our offensive line played Saturday. Like, asking our guy, I'm not, like, I, it, it happens. We, we have stopped teams before in those situations. Like, it, you get stopped no matter what, what your technique is sometimes. But, but I'm just like I, I just don't understand. What's why interesting about what's interesting about that, Jeremy? Appreciate the phone call. What, what's interesting is I I feel like Auburn has been more effective running the ball when they've shown pass at the line of scrimmage, which makes you think like, and and I think that's sort of that's one of the theories I know from the Mike Leach days of and the Tony Franklin days of the spread offense was. Every time you show pass, a defense is afraid to overplay the run. So if you're if you line up five wide on third and one, the defense might be thinking you're going to run the ball because it's third and one. But you've also got five wide receivers on the field. Yeah, so but what, Auburn did not. Auburn Auburn went with the the big package. They were tight. Everybody was tight on third and fourth and one. Which, which is, I mean, and not to not to misquote Jeremy, it also it almost seemed like, and I've heard that from other people too. Is you know just just. You know, do, do play power football in those situations, but I thought Auburn, uh, you know, if, if anything, you know, I, I thought Auburn was more effective running the football when Georgia kept, you know, had had the belief that Georgia might throw. But the, the biggest problem that, that Auburn, Auburn might, has had, might throw. the biggest problem Auburn has had running the ball this year has been short yardage. I mean, that there's no question about that. They have struggled on third and short, and it's not a fr- and this is not a one year list. not a one year thing either. Gus's last team struggled right. on short yardage plays. Harson's team struggled throughout the Harson era on short yardage. Mm-hmm. You know, some people would say that eventually points to, you know, is, is that is that a skill issue with the with with the the players, not is, just is on the offensive line, but, but, but everywhere. Yeah. yeah, but but it's also well, it would be tempting though. I mean, Jeremy, when Jeremy's talking about it, I'm thinking about it. 
about, you know, these days it's okay to get a push. When you hear about getting a push up front, well, you can get a push from behind oh, yeah. these days and they can, and, and, you know, get that away with that. That play's taken over football. Now, now yeah, some I know. Folks, I mean, so that, that would be a whole lot more tempting to be under center. Some folks. Just get your quarterback prepared to be slammed in the back by I, about 600 well, pounds. I think, I think Jalen Hurts squatting 650 pounds has something to do with the reason well, why true. that play is so yeah, effective for Philadelphia. I don't know if everybody's got a quarterback who can do that. But, but the uh, no, you're right. I mean, I think there are different ways to look at it. And I, you know, I, I keep thinking – on that play, the play people focus on where Jarrett, where um, uh, where Auburn went back to Peyton Thorne on yeah. third and one. It was a head scratcher, right? Well, no, but and I don't think bringing Peyton Thorne back in is necessarily the head scratcher, right? Like we were talking about this after the sequence. If you're going to bring Peyton Thorne in, but to just do, hand to just hand the ball off, yes, I mean, and and I guess the thinking is that teams will play the pass with Peyton in the game, and you could get away with a run in that situation. But Georgia was not fooled, and they. Kept what did alive. I say to you in the press box? Play I action. said if you're going to bring him in, yeah. yeah, have him throw the ball. Or, go or, ahead. If you know you're going to go forward on fourth and one, well, let's we'll look at it like we'll look at it this way. If you have three options in that situation, Peyton Thorne runs, a running back runs or Peyton Thorne throws, the running back running it is maybe it's it's maybe the 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 most predictable of the three right, on third and one. The other two options, Peyton Thorne keeping it and running it after faking it or a play action pass like you said, may, maybe that would have had more effectiveness. I don't hate bring I don't hate bringing Thorne back in. He's your quarterback and it's third and one, but I'm not sure just to run up the middle against a team mm-hmm. like Georgia when you haven't been able to run against them when you show run. You've been able to spread it open and, and find holes, but when it's and like I said, you haven't been able to run it against anybody, yeah. in, in you know with with any consistency in that situation. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get back to the phone. And G is up next. Hey G. Hey G. Hey guys. Um, I was listening to what y'all were talking about on these short yard situations, and and obviously Auburn has had this situation for golly, it seems like three or four years. Um, maybe longer but something that i observed uh one time uh gosh it's probably been about three years ago clemson and syracuse were playing each other and both of them did this in the game short yard situation it was actually goal line and they brought in two defensive linemen in the backfield to run the ball i mean physics just tells you that when those two guys are you know when you hand off to one of them and they're both pushing forward, it's a good chance you're going to gain yards. How come you? How come Auburn has never tried that? With, with the repeat, repeat the last part of that again okay. for me. So okay, how come Auburn has never put two defensive linemen in the backfield? and just hand off to them in short yard situations. Have we ever done that? Oh, and actually giving the ball to the defensive lineman. Well, you like, had yeah. J.J. Pegues, yeah. who wasn't really you had, a, Yeah, you, you did know. have you had Pegues, who's been a, a, a defense. I mean, and Auburn had, I want to say, I think Nick Fairley played offensive snaps in the in, – in the, the, do I have that wrong, or is it yeah, a different defensive lineman? I don't lineman? recall that, I, but I, I mean, maybe, maybe he did. I but. remember refrigerated pairs. He, oh, yeah, absolutely, did. absolutely. And it was so successful, and it was a crowd pleaser. And but you know I could care less about that part, but still, it worked, and I would just love to see that. You know, take these big guys and put them in the backfield and let them. I let wonder them how much Perry though. I still think was somewhat of a gimmick though, because it was. I mean, they had no, no, they had no. but they had. I mean, because they had Walter Payton, and he did pretty well in short yardage too that season. Like so, I mean, I, I know what you mean, and people did love it. The crowd pleasing part of it was was huge, but I mean, it was often yeah, yeah. like didn't they didn't they do it in blowouts? 
a lot is when they would sort of like the cigar. Like they did it in a tight game. Maybe, or two, maybe, maybe in tight yeah, games yeah. too. I don't want to rule it yeah. out completely. But no. But I think you know, uh, it, it is it is interesting how the game's gotten away from. Aside from you know a couple of notable examples, it's it's more. It seems like it's more about speed than pure power. When when you give the when you give the ball, even in short yardage, you know there's a belief hey, hey, that the teams can. When they when they hand the ball off, and then all of a sudden those big linemen get behind, and and sometimes you get three, four, five yard push. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, that's what I, you know. Yeah, I thought, I, gee, I thought you were talking about having defensive linemen providing a push for like a quarterback sneak. Yeah, or that was what I was is, talking about. Or which, which, your strongest which is guys something just, that I, I well, think is, you know we're seeing that in the NFL more and. You know, I, I always think about the the Notre Dame game against USC when the running backs pushed Matt Leinert across the line of scrimmage, oh, sure. and sure. you know, I, I, that that's what I thought you were suggesting, which is also something we haven't seen Auburn necessarily try. Well, but get, I do. Hey, you get Robbie Ashburn, you get two two big guys back there. That kind of gives you some options. They're going to say, "Well, they're going to hand it off. Robbie going to take it. Is he going to throw it? And you know, give you some big options there. So something to think about. Isn't it? Oh yeah, you're right. And, and okay, this is the time. This is the time for them to be thinking about and deciding what they're going to do. This is exactly what Hugh Freeze was talking about: assessing and reassessing. You know what they can do and what they what they need to do. Of the receivers that we who who have we not seen much of this season? I think mean, Caleb Burton haven't would seen be much the of Caleb Burton. Caleb Burton would be the one. Is that, I mean, uh, haven't seen. Haven't Martin, seen. You haven't, saw more of in this this, this yeah, past I game. Yeah, haven't. Did not see Jair Shorter at all this past. Week. Have not seen Jair Shorter at all uh, of of late. Um, um, did he not play? A, did not not a snap? Is that is not that the, a snap? Yeah, against not a, Georgia. Not a snap against Georgia. Um, Hooks was out there. Hooks was Javarius. Remember, was out with a hamstring. Yeah, I, I just wonder what else. What else they can try of what they haven't tried. I guess Burton would be the one to give a look to, but but there's not. You go with the uh, go with the the mighty mites. If you do that, yeah. You know, try to go with three. Just who cares? You need three guys well, that could get open and catch the felt ball. Felt like it was was it Malcolm and Coy early in the game on seemed Saturday. Like Weren't we talking mm-hmm. about that? Like it seemed like very. I think maybe the first substitution they made. Well, or did Coy Moore have a, a target? I don't recall. I don't know if Coymore had a target in the game. He was on the field. I mean, nineteen passes on the field quite a bit. He was, but, but uh, yeah, wasn't targeted. Maybe they'll look to throw the ball to him uh, more hmm. as, as as an adjustment. Uh, let's update you. We we have not uh, updated you on wild card playoff action. Edgewa at the plate right now. For oh, the, that's uh, cool for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, and and his Twins are leading at two nothing behind Sonny Gray. Uh, earlier today, the Rangers. Eliminate. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Tampa's out. You know, the Rangers eliminate the Rays. 7-1 today. Nate Evaldi uh, with an outstanding performance. So the Rays, who got off to such a hot start, they were the hottest team in baseball in April. And now they're out in two games. You like this format? You like this best of three? For, for yeah, the, I do. I, mean, yeah, I, mean, I, do. It does, I think it really puts emphasis on getting one of the top two seeds. Because it does, and you, you would think it would really be beneficial if you were in the wild card. You were at least hosting, but no, no Tampa it, Bay two and done at home. No, and I, and I think you. I mean, it, it is, it, it is so the the margin in a best of three between two playoff caliber teams is so thin in Major League Baseball that it is it is vital. You lose the first one, there is so much yeah, pressure. Like on you. I mean, if if, if you want to win the World Series, and I know we had the World Series teams last year uh, came out of the well, at least Philly came out of the mm-hmm. wild card round. Last year, but I, th- I think if you're trying to, um, no, it, it is th- this is a this is a trap for teams that want to advance deep in the playoffs because you can lose so easily. And I, I, I mean, I'm guessing that both NL series end tonight with uh, with Philly and Arizona 
uh, up one each. Arizona was able to win a game where they didn't use Zach Gallen or Merrill Kelly. Yeah, they've got uh, their best two pitchers. I mean, the, <laughs> they're in, they, they appear to be in great shape. It's Gallen versus Peralta tonight, which is a good pitching matchup. It but is. I think I think Zach Gallen has a but chance the, to. Yeah, with the Brewers without Woodruff, they don't have a number three guy. Right, and if the Brewers win tonight, they got to beat Merrill Kelly tomorrow. So right. I mean, it's going to be uh, that, that, that's going to be a really tough one uh, for Milwaukee and for Philly. Uh, they they were able to get uh, what was Zach Wheeler last night and he was he was outstanding and now you're looking at Aaron Nola tonight against Braxton Garrett uh, in in the Philadelphia uh, Marlins series Marlins need to win that one to force a game three mm-hmm. Phillies Braves could be the uh, could could be on the menu yeah, Braves fans don't want to hear that no well but they're at the I mean Aaron Nola tonight pitching for I mean this is what Philly would want right I mean they've got they've got one of their top guys on yep. the mound at home in a game that could force them and look at all the SEC players we're talking about I mean we're uh, look, oh look Garrett at- versus Nola tonight in a playoff game, yeah, it's that's that, that's incredible. Uh, I mean, and then and then we're talking uh, Sonny Gray's a Vandy, you know, a Vandy product. I mean, you look at the SEC being uh, with all the rep with all the representation here in the postseason. We'll get to our first break of hour number two. Don't forget, Tiger takes coming up with. Um, Eugene Asante, I almost, you almost, do I almost did it. I, I called him Asante it. Samuel at the end of the show yesterday. I don't know. Uh, yeah, don't Ben know. Taylor, actually. I was talking uh, about old Patriots filling, earlier Filling in, in for, for Jacob Goins. Jacob, again, uh, hopefully will be back tomorrow. He's been out under the weather this week. That's why there has been no on the line. Jacob should be back tomorrow, hopefully. But Ben filled in. I was going to try to do it. Things came up on campus. Couldn't get away. Really appreciate Ben. Uh, talking with Eugene Asante. That will be coming up at the bottom of the hour. But in the meantime, phone lines remain open at 334-321-1390 here on The Drive. Attention large property. 106.7 online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive, 5:20 on this Wednesday afternoon, and uh, yeah, I mean a lot, a lot to talk about here. Even in the open date, we haven't really talked about a, some of the a lot of the other ball games. Some really interesting games on tap this weekend. A great weekend, you know. For we were talking syrups up in a little while, Ooh, while ago. I'm gonna have to do to, it to do that I've early on, into it. and then catch a ton of football. Through the rest of the day, snack with some on great matchups. Snack on sweet potato biscuits. I've never and syrup. had sweet potato. I've biscuit, never had a sweet potato think. biscuit either. Camp stew also intriguing me from barbecue. This, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm and the syrup is, is delicious. I'm interested. Now you know what we were we were saying that feels like it would be an interesting gift too. Like to, to oh get, yeah, like for non local folks. Great. That's a great idea. Yeah, you know I'm, I'm not I'm not the best gift giver, but I might. That's I might something go stock different. Up on, yeah, yeah, it's something different. You know. Anyway, so I might I might go do that and. Uh, if you were listening, and, and I'm going to get you a gift soon, you didn't hear that part. So, all right. So tomorrow, I will. Uh, uh, I, I knew better than to brag on uh, uh, on on Doug's show there on the Max Roundtable. He he he's got me. I guess he advertised that I'd be doing the pick, these picks. I don't like picking, uh, you know, with the lines. Just straight Your up. Your analysis is what people want, though. I think they yeah, forget whatever. whether or not you were right. Whatever. Or but I mean, I got off to a terrible start. Last year, I, I was awful. I got off to a, my first week, I go one and nine. And the other thing is, the way Doug does this thing, you only pick six games, and two of the games are triple values. Oh, that's bad enough. I mean, I usually can go at least three and three. That's, that's my objective, is to stay above 500. But then, no, I invariably pick the wrong teams with my 
weighted ones. But I'd gotten off to a decent start after being 1-9. and nine, I was in first place last week. I'm now tied for last. That's how quickly it can go. But I can't help it. I am leaning toward quite a few underdogs this week. I think there are going to be some really fun you, games to watch. Do you get the feeling Bama A&M is like a last-second field goal? I think that, is, I, that has the potential of being, yeah, one that, that the, the last play of the game, you're still holding your breath. Was it two years ago? Was it 21 when, when A&M beat Bama? In College Station, mm-hmm. and and that game came down to the last second yep. field goal as well, the night game. Um, but you know that was the, yeah, the first time. That's what this one. That's what this one feels. First like, time Saban had ever lost to a former assistant, right? When Jim right. beat him two years ago, it's happened a couple of times. It has happened. Happened since, a couple yeah. of times since then. Uh, but the uh, uh, yeah, that that is that would be. And is the door the door for A and M to win the West? Oh well, we we if talked about w- it with Lane Kiffin a couple of weeks ago that this was their opportunity, and all the Ole Miss fans were saying this is their opportunity. Hasn't been as much talk about A&M after Miami handed them that season-opening loss, but don't look now. A&M wins this one. They are in very good position I think, to be in Atlanta. And maybe it's maybe it's partially because of the way they handled Auburn, but – I think I think it's as much the way they they the way they handled Arkansas and the way they handled. Look, I think if that that team should be in the top twenty five, and I think there are quite a few teams in the top twenty five that would be underdogs to Texas A and M on a neutral field if they played this upcoming Saturday. I mean, fact, this ain't on a neutral field. This one ain't on a neutral field. This one's in College Station, and yeah, I mean that place. You you went there earlier this season. Mm-hmm. You get the feeling right that if it's a a must-win oh, big they are, game. They are just chomping at the bit. They'll for bring this it. One. Yeah, yes. and, and it's um, you know, and I and I during media days, I was struck by how many different players would say. I mean, it is it is very loud on the field when when it gets going at College Station. Now it gets it gets loud at a lot of fields, right? In the uh, in the SEC, but A and M's. Um, I, yeah, I, I think they're in. Yeah, Georgia couldn't tell you about A and M, but I mean Kirby talked about Jordan Hare. Yeah, yeah. Well, Georgia that's never, because they never played never there. Been, yeah, Oklahoma will go to well, Auburn. That, that's for, insane, yeah. isn't it? And by and by the way, we we haven't really talked about the uh, Hugh Freeze remarks from Monday and the subsequent clarification. Oh yeah, about that you know the scheduling stuff. Like that's uh, so, so. I mean, is there a concern, Bill? I wonder. Like maybe. Maybe this thing is staying at eight longer than people realize, and I would—I'd still be very surprised. I, Greg Sankey wants nine. Greg Sankey's the commissioner of the SEC. He's at the Oklahoma Texas game this weekend. I would not be surprised if if he is making sure with the uh, the powers there, the presidents and the ads or chancellor or whatever it's called at the at each of those schools that they're on board with nine. And I think they are. And, and I think the uncertainty from the people that make the deals from the broadcast side is as much a concern as anything now. Like, where's that extra $100 million going to come from if the SEC adds an extra conference game and wants to sell it to a broadcast partner? But it probably – I mean, I, I think that's probably where we're going. Yeah. But if if it doesn't happen – If it doesn't happen, you lose Auburn, Georgia, you lose Alabama, Tennessee – you lose either Texas, Oklahoma, or Texas, Texas A and M. You lose Florida, Tennessee. You right. lose. Uh, you lose. Yeah. It, you know, one of the one of the big Texas games. You know, won't won't get played. I mean, there's any number of games that you you run the risk of losing. Ar- Arkansas desperately wants Texas on their schedule every year. There's no way they can do that if you're if you're doing 
a one and you know doing an eight game conference. I schedule. wonder how many teams on that side of the conference are going to say like, yeah, we need Texas and Oklahoma at home as much as possible because it's a it's a, mm-hmm. a, a ticket oh, yeah. seller, you know, and that's and that's something I'm sure I'm sure Arkansas wants Texas and Fayetteville as often as possible because of what it can do. Missouri for, wants Oklahoma. Missouri wants Oklahoma, you know, as as, as often as Old possible. Big eight opponents. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I think that's that's something moving forward. Hugh Freeze was just sort of speaking. Uh, off the cuff about yeah, what, he, what he, could happen. Then he, then he uh, clarified or corrected himself later, saying, I, I don't know the schedule. It just would be a shame if you lost a Georgia every year. And I agree. Now, do you do you subscribe to, because I know our buddy Justin Lee uh, from the OA News has his, uh, he wrote it over the summer when, when there was all the scheduling talk, and, and he's of the opinion that, that if the SEC... Uh, if the SEC goes to eight games and Georgia's not on Auburn's schedule, you try to schedule Georgia's one of your four out of conference nah, games to make nah. sure the game is played. I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, get me to that point, and maybe I'll say so. But I mean, I'm I, intrigued I by that. I know ACC teams did that years ago. I think North Carolina and Alabama Wake. did it years and years ago uh, and got themselves an extra conference game. It wasn't against somebody as good as Georgia. But they would play an extra conference game. So if there if there were two teams with one loss, they'd have one more win. Now the SEC wouldn't consider it an extra no, conference no, it game. Wouldn't but count you, but the I think standings. I think two SEC teams can schedule each other I'm for, sure for an out of conference game, and you just you you know you'd, you'd play it that way. I mean that was a couple. I would I would imagine the commissioner would would not be thrilled to death with that. But but if it's a rivalry that yeah, they you know two teams have decided is is you know important enough to take up one year. I mean. I don't know. Like, I think it'd be... Maybe that's what the commissioner could do. He we're going to play an eight-game conference schedule, but you have to play another SEC team as a non-conference game. <laughs> which, <laughs> which gets you a nine-game conference well, schedule. What? Well, no, but for all the posturing about the rivalries... Yeah. If, you, if it's an eight-game... you got to play con- those rivalry games. Well, if, if it's an eight-game conference schedule and you got four out-of-conference games to play with, if it's, a, if it's that important of a rivalry, think, you know, I use think, one I of your... I think Sankey should... Demand that that yeah, be done. Play, play one of your play, you know, use schools. use it for one of your rivalry uh, spots like that. Because there are a couple teams in the SEC that would be in that boat. You know, Texas would you know have have yep. takers, and LSU would probably have some some people looking to bring them up. Like so, I don't know, it's something to think about moving forward. But I think they're going to do everything they can to keep Auburn. And right. on the what do you think about? And we'll get into this more over the next couple of days. Um, has does Missouri have any shot against LSU? How do you? How does LSU bounce back after losing a That's heartbreak? That's a good question. Right? Is I mean, LSU's defense – how bad is LSU's defense? Yeah. There are two games now where you've looked at LSU's defense and said uh, they, they appear to have real problems. And that's um, – nobody had LSU looking at three losses this early in the, in the no, season. No, no kidding. They – you know they they've got to they've got to figure it out because Missouri is um, Missouri's playing now. Missouri's by hook or by crook a couple of these. It but, is, but at least but they've got them in Como. Yeah, it's it's at home, and uh, no, I, I think this is a th- this is a game where I expect LSU to look more like the LSU that we've we've seen. I was going to say for most of Brian Kelly's tenure, but that's not exactly true because they are uh, like a five hundred team against Power Five teams. Under under Brian Kelly as, as amazing as it is to uh, uh to, to hear that, but but it's uh, no, I, I think I'm thinking I'm thinking that one's Brady, close. Brady to Cook though is probably licking his chops against going against that LSU defense has been just Swiss cheese. Yeah, and and terrible news about Greg Brooks by the way. Did you see like there, no, there's, uh, there's something? We'll, we'll, I mean, it just just in the last uh, in in the last few hours, uh, really uh, really sad news. LSU announcing uh, that that it's a uh, uh, a I don't want to I don't want to get the announcement wrong so i probably should have had this before i brought it up but greg brooks in the last uh few hours 
uh, it was oh, announced. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're seeing, seeing the story now that it's uh, it's uh, a rare form me- of brain cancer. Med- medulloblastoma is the uh, rare form of brain cancer that the uh, LSU uh, LSU safety Greg Brooks Jr. Who I know there was a there was a brain tumor discovered earlier in the season. He was missing time with that. And this, I mean, he, he is a sensational football player mm-hmm. and widely respected around the league. And so it's a uh, yeah, it, it's it's really really sad news there, and that's I mean LSU was already coming to grips with Greg Brooks not being around on right. the field, and, and now they're now they're dealing with that within the program, and uh, yeah, to see I mean it, it's it's a you know it's it's a totally different story than LSU Missouri, you know this this Greg Brooks situation, no but but LSU now w- without one of their leaders like that that's I mean, it's another another challenge for an LSU defense that has really struggled this year. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break on the other side. Our weekly Tiger Take segment as Ben Taylor uh, spends time with Eugene Asante. Stick with us here on the Wednesday Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday, and it's time now for our weekly Tiger Take segment. Brought to you by the Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. Earlier today, Ben Taylor of Auburn Opelika this morning over on WANI filling in, uh, and we really appreciate him as he spent some time with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante. Time for Tiger Takes. I'm Ben Taylor filling in for Jacob Goins as we visit with Eugene Asante. It's all brought to you by Alsobrook Law Group. For your free consultation, call them at 334-360-9534 or also online at alsolaw.com. That's alsolaw.com. With Auburn defensive highlight reel, Eugene Asante. Eugene, let's just jump right into it. As number one, I appreciate you taking the time with me because uh, Jacob's a little under the weather, so you get me instead. But the good news is is uh, we get to talk football, which I know you're fine with doing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, always. I look at the at the stats and, and, and kind of go over some of the things, and let's just jump into that Georgia game from this previous week. Is uh, Everybody had kind of written Auburn off, but it seemed like you guys came out there not written off and a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and put up a, a, a bigger fight than what the quote-unquote experts had actually said. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Six tackles, one assist tackle uh, defensively. Walk us through what you guys were looking at and what you saw because because, you know, you hear all the talking heads that say, why this, why that, why not this? And you've heard Coach Freeze uh, talk a little bit about it. But expectations that you guys had going into the Deep South's oldest rivalry last weekend? Yeah, uh, I think the expectation was to go in and you know, try to win the football game. That was the biggest thing we tried to emphasize. You know, whatever it takes to win the, uh, the football game. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. Um, but we've seen some things that we could, you know, improve upon defensively. Uh, we're, lit- we're continuing to grow. We're continuing to build upon uh, that game and just seeing the little things that we can do to improve. So, um, ultimately, I think the expectation was, you know, we go into every game expecting to win the game and putting our best foot forward because we understand the standard that's been set and we understand that, you know, a lot of people believe in us. Um, We have a lot of people, you know, the Auburn family uh, is behind us. So, we want to go out there and put our best foot forward. So, um, you know, unfortunately, it didn't didn't result in a, a victory this week. But we understand that what we can do, and we, we're going to grow up on that game and continue to put our best foot forward every single uh, Saturday. 
Now, just from a, a viewer watching and just, a, you know, somebody that's just sitting on the sidelines and, and me looking at it, it seems like, and I know this is a goal of Coach Freeze, and he's talked about it, but uh, personally with, with you guys as players, it seems like you guys continue to get better every ball game. Yeah, when we sent it as players, we sent it. Uh, you know, I think it's just the biggest thing is confidence. We're, 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 built, we're becoming more confident in the scheme. We're becoming more confident in trusting people around us and just playing the, the brand of football that we know. You know, just playing, trying to be fast and physical with everything we do. So, you know, we kind of we feel that. We're growing upon it, and we just have to continue to hone in on it and, and practice, uh, make it make practice like a game environment, you know, so we're not rattled or uh, surprised when we go out there on Saturday. You know, this one, uh, judging by uh, player reactions and the way you guys looked after the game, this one, this one looked like it hurt. It looked like you guys – you, you now realize that you can play with anybody in the country. I mean, I know y'all thought that before, but now it's it's pretty evident that this Auburn team is better than what those quote-unquote experts say that they say that it is. Yes, sir. It was certainly an emotional thing for me, uh, you know, going out there and, uh, you know, trying to put my best foot forward. And I, I know how much uh, the game means to me. And it's uh, something I really care about. And I said that with other guys as well. You know, they – they were upset as well. They they want they don't want it losing, so they want to put their best foot forward, and they want we understand what we can do. You know, we understood what we could do, and we're going through summer workouts, and you know, just seeing the talent that we had. You know, just player run practices. So we just want to go out there and execute and show people that. So it hurts when you're not able to get the victories, but um, we know what we can do now. We see what we can do now, so there's no excuse. You know, every Saturday we need to put it on tape. I gotta, I gotta ask you this, <clears throat> from a defensive standpoint, uh, you got a really good lick on Carson Beck, and uh, I, I mean, it had to feel good. But the, you know, he's he. There's a reason people have highly touted him, is he was able to complete the pass. But uh, it was shown on television a little bit later. What was said between you two guys a little bit later on? Did you did you say something to him? You give him a, a pat on the rear? Or what what was what were you guys talking about? Yeah. So when I, I ended up giving him that shot. I, uh, I said, because uh, I was looking at the play, you can kind of see it on the video. <laughs> I was looking at the play, and it was like, uh, I told him, um, that was a good throw. I told him a good throw, and, you know, like they you know, said on the broadcast, it was just respect between two players, and he, he made a good throw, and uh, able to hit, getting hit while he th was throwing and was able to deliver. So I told him good throw, and he was telling me good hit. So it was just that mutual respect between two players, and he, did, he played a good game, and, you know, ultimately, you know, Carson stood in there and delivered. So it was a, it was a good throw by him. Jalen Simpson continues to get another interception and continues to make plays on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Simpson is somebody that is an experienced guy in the secondary. We, you know, we know that coming into the season, and he's literally putting the world on display. You know, just let, letting the world know who he is. Uh, you know, he's a fierce competitor. He comes out there and he wants to be the guy that you know, secondary that makes those plays. And he's shown it a week in and week out that he's one of those elite guys throughout the country. So, man, it's, it's special having dudes in the back end like him or seasoned veterans that, you know, know what they're doing. And making those type of athletic plays is what we need in the secondary. Marcus Harris, uh, Andy Burcham, play-by-play -play for, for Auburn. Uh, I was talking to Andy a little bit, and he said one of the guys that really impressed him uh, this past Saturday was Marcus Harris. And, and Marcus ended up having uh, five tackles and two assisted. Yeah, Marcus. Marcus is an animal, man. And it was—it's crazy seeing it on tape. How much knockback and how much uh, how much violence he was playing with, man. It was, you know, certainly as a linebacker, you can appreciate people being in positions to, you know, just make your job a lot easier, you know. And Marcus was literally controlling the line of scrimmage, you know, penetrating and 
and you know just just causing havoc on their side of the football. So, man, um, it's, it's exciting to see because he's a leader in the trenches, and we we depend on him, and he's somebody that consistently does his job day in and day out. So, it's exciting being out there with Marcus, man. Well, the the good news is is if you do see him again, uh, you'll be seeing him uh, in the SEC championship game, and that would be uh, Brock Bowers. He he is that guy. That guy continued to impress this past weekend for Georgia. Yeah, um, Brock is somebody that we you know gone into the game. We knew that uh, we had to you know contain him and try to uh, you know put him in different situations where he's uncomfortable. And uh, you know we thought we did a good job in the, um, towards the beginning part of the game and. Um, he just kind of came alive towards the, towards the fourth quarter, and um, you know we just have to be more honed in on details in terms of including myself. You know that's something I, I pride myself on, and I need to you know, put myself in situations where I can, you know, use my leverage and can try to contain him as much as possible. So, you know, he did a good job in terms of trying to get open and different situations where he's catching the ball one-handed. So, yeah, um, you know, for kudos to Brock, man. He's like you said, he's an All-American type player, and we know how special he is as a player. Ben Taylor with you in Tiger Talks as we talk with uh, Eugene Asante. And uh, before we move on to the bye week and to LSU, uh, describe that atmosphere this past Saturday. The crowd seemed electric the entire time. I mean, it was super loud. I definitely think it affected uh, Carson Beck, especially at the first part of the ball game. Even Kirby gave a nod to that at the end on the broadcast. He ended up giving a tip of the hat to the Auburn family. Yeah, it was electric, and you feel it when you're out there. Um, it's certainly a, an environment that is like <laughs> none like nobody in college football has that type of environment for sure. And you feel it when you're out there, and you appreciate it. You know, so I appreciate everybody that showed up and was able to come out and support. And we we continue to need that support, and it's, it's something that we do not take for granted at all. You know, not at all. Every Saturday in that 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 type of environment, it, it can help you win football games. So. We appreciate everybody that showed up. We want to continue to put our best foot forward as a football team. Walk us through the uh, bye week. A lot of people always wonder what teams go through. I mean, did y'all get any kind of rest? I mean, I still know that you're, you're going to be doing walkthroughs and practice, but I know also that uh, yeah. the coaching staff has talked about uh, getting guys healed up. So walk us through the, the week of the bye week. Yeah, the bye week is uh, a similar schedule to a regular regular practice schedule, but uh, you know, Coach Freeze, I think takes the he takes some of the periods off that are more physical type periods uh, throughout the week, and he's just trying to make it more mental, you know, in terms of our adjustments, uh, looking at the right stuff, and working on our eye discipline and uh, the schematics and communicating as a defense. So this this practice, these practices are more so. Uh, mental, the mental side of the football game, and just trying to get players to understand the situations that we call things, and um, communicating with the guys around them. So, uh, you know, he's kind of cutting the practice load a little bit down, but um, it's still fast, it's still physical. Not fast, I mean, it's still fast, but not as physical. Uh, Saturday, you guys going to sit around and watch football? Does he give you all the day off? Will y'all have a workout on Saturday? How, how does that work on on a bye week? Um, sure, I'm sure we'll have some time on Saturday. I believe we probably will have off. Um, not entirely sure yet, but I think that we'll probably have off. You know, have some time to watch some guys around the country. You know, we have uh, guys around the country we support and you know play on different teams. So I guess, I guess we'll probably get some time to you know sit down and watch other teams play and you know also watch LSU play. So 
that's going to be at the big thing. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys get to uh, not only break down tape, but you'll get to see it live and what they're going through. I mean, it was a track race between them and Ole Miss this past weekend. And then, of course, they go to Missouri. Missouri a little bit better than probably what people expected. So I don't know how that will impact LSU coming off that loss going to Missouri. And then, of course, they're going to be having to play host to Auburn. But uh, their, their quarterback, a little elusive. I mean, you'll, you'll have your hands full. It, you're, you're going to be one of the guys that's chasing after him most of the night next Saturday. Yeah, uh, Zane Daniels, he's, he's a special talent in terms of his ability to uh, run the football. You know, when the play, plays break down, he extends the plays and is able to do with his legs. He's explosive, and he's somebody that we have tr- truly um, got our eyes on in terms of the game plan and stuff. But, you know, you know, just like I said, man, I embrace those types of things. It's another challenge for myself, um, you know, to put myself in situations where, um, you know, I'm comfortable with, uh, you know, just the situation where I'm comfortable as a football player. You just got to be challenged, and I'm prepared to be with that challenge. So, you know, it, it should be exciting uh, to go against them in that offense. With a guy like that, do you guys, uh, not to give anything away, but is he, he the type of guy you'd rather keep in the pocket instead of him breaking and, and in order to do that? And once you guys can get him in to stay in the pocket, maybe some delayed stunts, something of that nature? Yeah, he's a, you know he's the type of guy you just want to contain. You know, he's the biggest thing is containing him. You know, um, uh, making sure that he's in the within the pocket. You know, where everybody's holding their rush lanes and having the integrity within their rush lanes, and the rush lanes are balanced, so there's not too many escape ghosts where he can go. And the biggest thing is just keeping him in, and you know, having all eyes on him. You know, whether we're in zone and just you know being disciplined where we're in man calls and just. You know, I discipline within all of that. So he's certainly somebody that um, you, 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 throughout practice you have to really prepare and mm. understand where he is at all times. Who is uh, who's playing his role in practice uh, these next couple of weeks? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, I don't really know. We haven't we haven't really gotten into the LSU deep into the LSU yet. Mm. You know, we're just working on our details within ourselves. But um, it should be interesting to see who they put back out there. This has been a fun, especially your guys' side of the ball, a fun defense to watch, especially when coming into the year there were some question marks. Even Coach Freeze would say that when he would do press conferences. He goes, we'll find out when we get out there. And uh, I know with the passion that you bring and with the uh, with the fun time that you guys have and guys stepping up like we just talked about with uh, with Marcus and even Zion Puckett had five. He had five solos as, as well as Jalen McLeod. So I know you guys look forward to it and embrace the challenge with LSU in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Also, yeah, we, we're excited, you know, to continue to put things on tape, and we have great leadership with Coach Roberts and his staff. You know, they they put, they put us in situations every, uh, you know, Saturday that we, you know, we're going to have situations where we need to make those plays, and you know, they do, they just ultimately want the best thing for us. You know, they want us to go out there and play our style of football, and you know, they demand a lot out of us. But that through that demanding a lot out of us, there's a lot of love and there's a lot of um, care. You know, they want us to put our best foot forward and just be the best player that we can be and ultimately be the best human being, be the best Christians, be the best man we can be. So you can go, you can go through, run through a wall for somebody that really appreciates you. And, and guys are starting to sense that. So uh, I appreciate their leadership and I appreciate them pushing us in the right direction. Very well said. Have fun on your off week. Good luck against LSU. I greatly appreciate your time, Eugene. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Junior linebacker Eugene Asante on Tiger Takes, all presented by Alsobrook Law Group. For a free consultation, you can call them up at 334-360-9534. For Tiger Takes, I'm Ben Taylor. 
Our thanks to Ben for uh, filling in for Jacob Goins. Again, Dan and I can't do this because Auburn is always practicing. Even, even today during the off week, Auburn practicing Tuesday and Wednesday this week in the afternoons while we're on the air. So appreciate Ben filling in for Jacob. And once again, Jacob should be back with On the Line tomorrow. And people should listen to Ben's show. People should listen oh, to Ben's show in the mornings. I know it's not on ESPN 106.7. So well, maybe not breaking, tomorrow morning. Breaking because taboo. I'll be on, because I'll be on. But yeah, no. People morning. should listen to uh, people should listen to Auburn Opelika this morning. It's an institution here in the uh, in, in the area. It's a great way Absolutely. to find out what's going on in the community. Ben does an outstanding job, and, and we're uh, we're thrilled that Ben could find a, a little bit of uh, time to uh, interview Eugene Asante for us. And that was Tiger Takes presented by the Alsobrook Law Group. We will get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us as we uh, wind things down here on the Wednesday Drive. This is Lee County Revenue Commissioner Ola.